Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. You've got the home of the truth. Back to The Baldface Truth with John Kanzano on 750 The Game. Well, our next guest writes a column, hosts a radio show, does it all. Mike Prater is a host. I went on his show today in Idaho. He's returning the favor now. He's here to talk about Boise State. They're going to play at Oregon State on Saturday at Reeser Stadium. Uh, of the 22 starters on offense and defense for Boise State, if you follow Prater on Twitter, you know 18 of the 22 are seniors. Andy Avalos bringing a very experienced team to Oregon State. Mike Prater joining us now. Uh, experienced and good or just experienced? Let's go with uh, experienced and potentially good. There's obviously some bright spots on this roster, but I think there's also some red flags. And uh, you can even go deeper into the experience. The two juniors on offense, George Helani, the running back, and, and Ben Dooley, the uh, the starting right guarder, both juniors, they might be the best NFL prospects on this team. So can you imagine losing like 20 to one or something like that of your starters after this year? The Boise State fans are already upset about uh, the depth chart because they're looking ahead to next year and thinking about all the players they're going to lose. George Halani is a sensational, very versatile player. Give us an idea of what we should expect from him on Saturday. Well, we did talk to the coordinators today, Tim Plow, the offensive coordinator, and he said we'd be crazy to take George off the field. And uh, if he can get through an entire season with that kind of mentality, then, then Boise State's going to have a really good football season. But that's the problem with George, as you probably know. He, he's not available all the time, and uh, he's had injury issues in the past. If he can be healthy, and he looks healthy in camp so far, everybody looks great so far in camp, uh, he's kind of that nice little mixture of – you know, he can cut right, he can cut left, he can go and run in north-south, and he can be some power guy, and he can do some things. They also named him today, even though the backup running back at Boise State's an 18-year-old freshman who's never played a uh, true freshman, by the way. He left school early. That's, that's Helani's backup, but they have enough faith in him that they made him the starting punt returner today as well. So Helani's going to be on the field a lot, doing a lot of different things, and Boise State fans are already crossing their fingers, hoping that he can stay healthy. Mike Prater with us, Idaho Sports Talk, also writes a column in Idaho. If you want to follow Mike on Twitter, it's at Mike F. Prater. Uh, Mike, give us an idea. Andy Avalos is a head coach. You've seen some guys come through there from, you know, Chris Peterson to Brian Harson, now to Avalos. Um, how different is this program feel with Avalos in charge? Ah, oh, boy, you know, coming off of a five-loss season, you know how that goes in, in terms of just the angst that the fans have. He's their favorite son. as you, Coming over from Oregon and, and a former linebacker here out of Boise State, uh, everybody loves Andy, but uh, there's a lot of reservations. And, and Andy doesn't speak a lot in specifics. Andy's, uh, you know, one of those more, he speaks very general. He talks about progress, but then he won't get into the details of talking about progress. So I think that there is a, a lot of nervous potential excitement for, for Boise State fans right now, all going back to Andy Avalos. They want him to succeed. 
They want nobody to. I mean, they they love him here, but you can't compete here for five lost seasons. That's going to turn off a lot of different people. So um, he's made pretty good decisions this off season. I think this football team is a lot better shape when it comes to where they are now as opposed to when he was last year. He was just trying to figure it out last year, and I think this year he took it to another step, at least on paper. I, I love what he's got with his defense. He's got some potential with his offense. He's trying to do some nice things off the field in terms of helping the athletic department build this big vision, this $300 million vision they have, and, and he's part of that. But uh, right now, I, I just think he needs to win this football game. If he loses this football game, he, he could lose this season. And I don't want to get overly dramatic, but the fans here are that fickle. They want big-time postseason games. They want bowl games. They want nice opponents at the end of the season. They want nice, shiny things, and uh, you've got to beat Oregon State to make that happen. Give me an idea, Mike. How important is this game to kind of the path that Boise State might see into the Pac-12 or the Big 12? Oh, can I turn that question back to you? You're the Pac-12 expert. You did come on the show today. I appreciate that and, and talked about that. And, um um, you know, as a, uh, as a as a proud youth alum, I'm uh, I was really happy with what you said on our show today. The, you know, Boise State can do well just by following the path of Utah and what they've done. And ironically, Boise State had Utah's number on the football field, but yet Utah has taken its program to new levels, and Boise State very much wants to be that way. You just kind of kind of keep grinding. It's the Kyle Whittingham way. Keep grinding and grinding and grinding. You know, get it right, fix what's happening, fix what's wrong, get it right for the next season, and just keep grinding and doing what you can. And um, you know the complications, the political complications, the academic complications, the historical, you know, obstacles that are in Boise State's way right now of getting into the Pac-12. Uh, it's very, very difficult to see me for me to see that happening, but you know, nothing's going to be decided short term. But if you can beat Oregon State, maybe you raise some eyebrows in Pac-12 country. Keep doing what you're doing. Get to a big bowl game this year. Maybe the timing is right. Sometimes the timing has to just be right. And over the next couple of months, maybe they can get lucky with the timing. Yeah, I think it's you know some things have changed. Like it, I think it used to be that the academic fit was was right at the front of the conversation. I think it's more towards the back of the conversation now, Mike, because you know what what the what the TV networks want are television households and they want brands and the thing that Boise State and UNLV and to some extent Fresno State and San Diego State can bring is they can bring the Pacific time zone and they can bring you know the mountain time zone and they can you yeah. know cuz Boise State will kick games off at what 8:30 8 9 10 midnight whenever they want it right absolutely absolutely yeah, let me let me ask you this question cuz i i've always been kind of curious about this you know, uh, Boise has a small market value. I mean, with 100, and, 100 in the country, whatever the number is these days. But if they bring, like, say, 70% of, of that number, how does that compare if I go to, like, an SMU where SMU does not deliver the Dallas TV market, but obviously the Dallas TV market is massive? How does a guy like Bob Thompson or the, the television executives out there, how do they weigh that? How do they juggle that? Yeah, that's a good question. And here's, I mean, here's the thing, because at first glance – what I want to say and what fans would want to say is, look, television ratings matter more than anything, right? Eyeball, actual sure. eyeballs on the game matter more than anything. But what yep. what the networks do when they go to sell the the commercial spots to sponsors is they'll talk about total hel television households available in the broadcast market. And they talk about Dallas-Fort Worth as if everybody's watching that's in that SMU market. Now, Ratings and brand and success on the field are secondary factors. They do matter to some extent, but 
the problem I think that Boise State has, and the biggest obstacle, and I think why I put them, I think I had them at like eight to one to get into the conference or whatnot. But while they're there and they're not like two to one, is the five hundred and seventeen thousand TV households in Idaho. That's the biggest yeah. challenge they have. But the, in this climate, and this is why I think the window or the door is open. You know, ESPN needs inventory, and if it grabbed at San Diego State, Boise State. Fresno State and UNLV, it could virtually have a monopoly on the primetime windows in the Pacific time zone. And that is pretty interesting. And I think that's why all of a sudden people look past maybe the number of households or they might look past. And here's the other thing, Mike, Boise State's not going to want or or they're going to be okay taking less than a full distribution because correct me if I'm wrong. Like you have your finger on the pulse of that fan base. How many people there would walk to the Pac-12 headquarters if they knew Boise State could get in if they walked there. Like, you'd have that whole fan base on the freeway walking down the freeway. They've, they've been dreaming about it for 20 years, even when they were, you know, back in the big sky days. They, the, 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 the fans here can be delusional, and that's the only thing that they've always wanted. They want a spot in the Pac-12, John. Mike Prater with us, Idaho Sports Talk. You can read him online and uh, follow him on Twitter as well. He writes a column in Idaho. Uh, great follow. Give us an idea defensively what Oregon State will be up against. How good is Boise State's defense? That's the scary part of this football team right now, and I really do believe that this defense is legit. They only gave up 19 points a game last year, and they got a lot of those guys back, and then now they have a lot of dependable depth behind them, and that's kind of the sexy phrase out there these days, dependable depth. Andy Avalos loves that phrase, but he's really built dependable depth behind every single position on this defense, and there's playmakers up front. There's some transfers that I think are going to make a difference. He's got some playmakers on the backside. Now he's got, you know, there's red flags you can look at. One of his uh, safeties is going to be five foot eight, and he probably is five foot six, five foot seven. But uh, he's the mighty mouse guy in terms of the Rodney Robinson. So there is some some talent discrepancies between this Mountain West program and like a Pac-12 program. But those playmakers, there's those guys that are going to get after it. I really think they're going to work on the edge an awful lot. They're trying to they're going to try to really really hard to get after Chance Nolan. I know Oregon State's offensive line is rock solid. I know you're a big believer in that offensive line. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to sound like a coach uh, on the first game of the first week of the season, but uh, Oregon State's offensive line against Boise State's defensive line and how Boise State can attack from behind that defensive line I think will be the key to this football game. The, you made your predictions for the season in the Idaho press, and you picked – Oregon State in this game. If correct me if I'm wrong, you had you had Boise State losing three games. This was one of them. How did that fly yep. with the Boise State fan base? <laughs> They're probably used to it around here with me. Uh, uh, you know, I, I like to brag that I'm the John Canzano of Boise and uh, ruffle a few feathers every now and then. So uh, I, I've actually used that line before. I hope you don't mind. I'll send you a couple no. bucks every time I use it. <laughs> um, you know, you know. Everybody here expects because of the reputation of, of Oregon State, and we all know that it's a little bit better, and, and there is some love for Jonathan Smith, who sent, spent some time here with, with Chris Peterson. So there's a, there's a respect factor here that probably wasn't there a couple of years ago, the way Jonathan's built this program. But I still think, you know, the Boise State hardcore says we, we have to beat Oregon State. We cannot lose to Oregon State. This is a game we have to, uh, to win. So they're fully expecting it to win. I think it's going to be a tough battle. If Boise State can win this game, they're going to have a magical season. I really, truly believe that. But uh, 
right off the bat, uh, I probably need to see a little bit more of a body of work, especially from this offense, before I can predict Boise State to walk into a Pac-12 stadium under any circumstances and beat that team. So, uh, yeah, I think Oregon State probably going to win this football game. All right, Mike Prater, Idaho Sports Talk. You can read him as well uh, online if you're interested in reading about the game. He's a good follow at the Idaho Press. Uh, Mike, before I cut you loose, um, you know, this is, I think, going to be a really good game. I think both these teams will play, uh, you know, very resilient. And uh, I like the coaches on both sides. I think it's real. Yep. It's Oregon State's offense against Boise State's defense in my book. Um, but, uh, you know, if Avalos has a down season, how much job security, you, you know, you talked talk to him about the native son and he played there, and how much patience will, the, will Boise State have with him? Boy, if they lose, let's say, four-plus games, five games, uh, don't play in a Mountain West championship game, uh, he is the favorite son, and it's going to be really, really hard. This, this, was always my, this was always my argument about every single Boise State fan wants Kellen Moore to come back. Well, there's, just because Kellen Moore comes back doesn't guarantee success. We see what he's doing right now with great resources in the NFL. Why would you want to fire Kellen Moore? That's, that just seems ludicrous. And, and you know what? Andy Avalos is probably just one step below that. Why would you want to get rid of a favorite son? But the expectations and the standard around here are pretty high with 20, 30, 40 years of success. And uh, if he has another four or five lost season, he's going to be in trouble. Mike Prater, I appreciate you. Thanks for what you do. John, appreciate you, bud. Appreciate you being on your show, and have a great season. There you go. We'll see what happens Saturday night. Uh, I like Oregon State, but I don't feel great about it. But, again, this isn't a Chris Peterson Boise State team. This is an Andy Avalos Boise State team. And, you know, the, the little bit of the shine came off Boise State last season. Still, 18 seniors among the 22 starters. A four-year starter at quarterback for Boise State. The questions for Boise State are not on offense. they got a running back who is going to return punts and return kickoffs, and he'll be on the field. They'll get him the ball a million different ways. But I really feel like this is Boise State's defense against the run game of Oregon State because I think Oregon State is going to line up, and I think they're going to go, hey, this is what we do. We run the ball at people. Stop us. And if Boise State can't stop Oregon State, long night for the Broncos. Leave it here. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. When I was a kid, I can remember we used to uh, send away for things that were like a prize that the cereal box or the cereal company offered. If you, you know, if you send this thing in to Battle Creek, Michigan, you'll get you know, the secret decoder ring or whatever it was, the prize that would come back to you. Um, the mail was an exciting thing as a kid. Like, it was a big deal. I can remember, like, the post guy coming by the mailbox and me going down to see, like, did my did my package come? Did this, whatever, you know. Uh, you guys, do your kids do that? Are they into the mail? Uh, if I go get the mail, they will follow me, but they don't actively seek out the mail. So I would say no, that they're not super into mail. I don't have kids, but uh, 
I used to be so excited to go get the mail. Like yeah. I, you know, like especially around this time, you. This is when I was in elementary school and middle school. I used to learn who my teacher would be. Yes. I used to learn who, um, like in middle school, we had like different sectors of the school, and I would learn like what what sector we called it, like Skyhawks, Seahawks. It was. Um, a- a- anyways, uh, I so I basically got to like call all my friends and say like, hey, here's like where I'm going to be for school this year, and it was just the most fun thing. Yeah, I I uh, I used to sharing that and i still i it's odd i don't get anything happy in the mail i get bills like everybody else i don't know why there's still an excitement about the mail it's not in my kids i've tried to transfer that to them but they don't see like they go to them like steven like you they'll go to the mailbox with me but i think we need to start like having them send away for stuff there's no uh there it's it's instant gratification now right well it's like the it's because like amazon right like it's the packages that's what they get excited Mm -hmm. for like my kids love packages when they see a package on the front step yeah they're excited they want to bring it in the house but they don't care about just like paper mail we bought something on ebay one of my my youngest daughter wanted a pokemon card okay it it was literally like a nothing card. It just looked cool. It's like ninety nine cents on eBay. She uh, she wanted to get it, and I said, uh, "Okay, we're gonna order it. It's like a buck plus shipping." Okay, small investment by dad, but um, I told her the uh, delivery date on it isn't till September eighth. She just came in during the commercial break, and she said, "Did it come in the mail today?" <laughs> I said, "We ordered it yesterday, September eighth, kid." You know what that means? I showed her the calendar. This is going to be a while. She seemed uh, less than thrilled about about the wait that she's going to have to make to September 8th to get this stupid card that she probably will forget about by the time it comes. But I think it's a good exercise. I'll have her go check the mail on September 8th when it arrives. Yeah, and uh, if I've learned anything about Pokemon cards, is kids love Pokemon cards. It's insane. Yeah. I you know I was a big card guy when I was a kid, but mine was all sports cards. The kids nowadays they just love Pokemon cards. My kid is obsessed with them. Do you still collect your sports cards? I don't anymore. Um, I've gotten, uh, like, you know, NBA Top Shot, NFT space. Yeah. I, I have some of those in, like, the NFL version of those. I don't really collect, though. Like, I more try to just flip them for money uh, at this point in my life. So did you save your cards or did you sell your cards? Uh, I left them at my parents' house when I moved out, so they could be anywhere. And then yeah. my wife uh, made me throw out some that I kept. So I kept some. I remember when I moved to our house. Maybe she your wife made them. you throw them out. Yeah, she she was cleaning one day and she just got really annoyed with them because she hates cards. She thinks mm-hmm. they're the most pointless thing in the world. Um, and so you know, it's just one of those things where I just cut it off. I was like, whatever. So you need to show her like a 1952 tops Mickey Mantle. I know. I wish it, I had one. It's po- not pointless. Um, but uh, yeah, my dad uh, collected his cards. Like he was in the era where those vintage cards were, you know, in the 1950s, early 50s cards, and. Um, you know, I'll show him books, and he'll be like, oh, I had that card. I had that Hank Aaron rookie card. Oh, I had that card. And his mom threw him out when mm-hmm. he went away to play professional baseball. He was signed with the Mets and took off, and he came home, and his cards were tossed. It was the same thing. Like, his mom was like, it's just cardboard play cards. What are you doing? Yeah. And yeah. I remember looking around her garage on summer days, <laughs> looking for that box of cards, <laughs> thinking maybe she just stuck them in here. No, alas, they were gone. John, uh, yeah. a question for you. One of the things I like to collect is um, from my college days, like media credentials for games. Do you yeah. do you have all of your media credentials? Is that something you collect? I have. I, I didn't do it intentionally, but over the years, when I got a season credential or a game credential, I always threw it in a shoebox during the season. And so by the end of the season, I had a box full of things. And I do have in the garage this giant 
tub that you get like at Home Depot or Costco, like that giant storage tub full of credentials. One day I'll go through them, Sean, and sort through them. But I don't know who's going to want them. Like who's going to want those credentials? Like my kids? And they'll only want like the cool one. Like let me have the Rose Bowl credential or whatnot. Like, you know, I got them back when I was a beat reporter covering Indiana and Purdue and Notre Dame. I've got all those credentials in a box, so I do keep them. But I also have them strewn around the house in places that I'm sure, like, Anna finds them and is like, what the hell is this thing uh, that are sitting around? But, yeah, I mean, you. so you're collecting those now? Yeah, I have, like, a little... Um a little wall on my like nice. uh, on my wall i have a little board uh with all my credentials i've I, you know i had quite a few in my college days but it's been a while since i've uh been a credentialed member uh post-college well we got to get you to some games absolutely you need to get over to that oregon state game this weekend uh all right why don't you leave it here some parting thoughts and your questions what do you want to talk about what's on your mind 503-417-7575 you want to talk about the ducks going to georgia you want to talk about the beavers at home in Corvallis on Saturday night, you want to talk about Pac-12 realignment? You steer the conversation. Tom Brady, you tell me. 503-417-7575. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.